Cutting for Sign with Ron Cecil and Daniel Pinterklein. The bad white man calling the devil. The Yavapai calling eyes like the sky. Steve Maxwell, you are recognized as one of today's most creative and innovative strength and conditioning coaches. You were also the first American to receive a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu from renowned BJJ practitioner Helson Gracie. You have trained people such as Brad Pitt, Joe Rogan, and Hoist Gracie, and were the first Americans uh, was the uh, first American certified to teach Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Your development of fresh, well-rounded, and effective mixed modality and joint mobility workouts is the latest example of how. You integrate multiple techniques into an accessible system for regaining and retaining range of motion. You have been featured in Men's Health Magazine and been listed as one of America's top trainers and have been a guest on such podcasts as London Real and the Joe Rogan Experience. You spent 15 years traveling the world as a nomad, teaching seminars and owning nothing but what you could carry on your back. However, you have recently established a home base in Port Townsend, Washington. You value minimalism, longevity, and a coordination between sustainable diet, varied movement, and intentional thinking. Welcome, Steve Maxwell. Thank you. Awesome. Happy to be here. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Thanks for having us in your place. Yeah, my little <laughs> tiny yeah. house barely cool. can squeeze us in here. This is perfect. This is perfect. I love this it's stuff. Awesome, Speaking of minimalism. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Which, uh, this comes off as maximalism, uh, I would think. Actually, to me, yes. <laughs> you have to remember, uh, before I started traveling as a nomad, <clears throat> um, I lived in a camper van yeah. for yeah. almost three and a half years. It was a uh, Dodge Sprinter, Westphalia. It had been outfitted by Westphalia and Airstream together, mm. like in collaboration. Yeah. And um, a Dodge Sprinter is basically a Mercedes. They just ship them in from Dusseldorf, Germany, and then they change the badging when they get to Florida. Yeah. But so it was. Huh. Yeah, I love those Mercedes vans. Really fantastic. Do you feel like moving into a place like this, uh, tempted to get more stuff? Do you feel like that that acting on you, or has it been pretty easy to maintain getting? Oh, you start to accumulate. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, I need this. I need that. You know. Yeah. What's your What's your weakness? Like consumer weak. Like, like you see something, you're like, I, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then you see that one thing, you're like, oh, man. I I'm really into technical pants. Are you really? I love Dude, even, I get that. I totally get even that. Even when I traveled, I yeah. wanted a pant that I could climb in, yeah. squat in, yeah. mobility, yeah. work out, run, still look good enough to travel. And I saw your pants when I walked in. I was like, those look like technical pants. And they're right there that's outside. Hilarious. No, that's your gi. Those is gi up there. That's yeah, that was in right Dude, I'm the same way. That's hilarious. What size are you? 32. Oh, 32, dude, I might have something for you. Oh, oh my <laughs> gosh, that'd be... How long is your engine? 32. 32, 32. Might be a little short, but okay. you can try. We'll see. We'll see. That's and, amazing. Because uh, I, I, I overbuy. I'm buying something. <laughs> That's his weakness. Man. <laughs> my weakness, man. There's some. There's some small cupboard in here that if you open it, will flood pants out. Will with pants. Pants. I, I, got, <laughs> I probably have like ten pairs. That's, pretty, that's not maybe bad. more than that. I've got and a pair of shoes. Shoes too. Shoes. I love minimal shoes. What What is a minimalist shoe? Describe uh, it to me. No, uh, no support whatsoever. No arch support. No arch support. No cushioning. No padding, no cushioning. Something you roll up and stick in your pocket. Th- yeah. Think of it this way. Uh, in jiu-jitsu, knee injuries are very common. Yeah. Right? And what I've discovered was a lot of knee injuries are related to weak feet and ankles. 
Hmm. And have you have you ever had a cast, a drama in a cast? Or Never, one? thank God, Never. no. Thank God. No. Yeah. Uh, glad nothing. Uh, but you've seen Friends. Yeah. And then when they cut the cast off, the arm is completely withered. Atrophied, yeah. 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 Disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, these, these over-engineered uh, padded shoes are like a cast. Hmm. And your feet, the muscles, become extremely weak and your feet atrophy because they're being supported all day. Yeah. And so guys take off the shoes to do jiu-jitsu and their uh, feet and ankles are so weak. Mm. And it leads to a whole kinetic chain of knee, uh, hip, or yeah. back problems. Yeah. So by wearing a non-supportive shoe, you actually strengthen your feet and your ankles a lot. I can attest to that. That's one of the things I've been most surprised with in healing knee injury for the last five plus or minus years is how much that knee health is dependent on hip and ankle health. Mm. And for me particularly, ankles, because um, I had some plantar fasciitis experiences uh, about 10 or 15 years ago, and it made me guard my, my the bottoms of my feet really a lot, and I would start to supinate. And I just, through the years, just locked that joint up so much. And so getting down into a squat, things like that, yeah. which... Huh. You think, oh, I want to be able to do that. It's healthy, but it's actually tied to putting less strain on your knee. Is that correct? What would you say around that? No, I mean, that, that, that is, you're, you're on the right track. You yeah. want those feet and ankles to be, you know, work. And it's good to walk around barefoot as much as possible. Uh, definitely good to wear barefoot in the grass. You know, you, mm. you, uh, you, you've heard of earthing, you know? Yeah, yeah. You get the electromagnetic yeah. uh, uh, field coming up through you. Yeah. You discharge a lot of, uh, you know, negative energy through your feet. Uh, I'll give you a, a practical case in point. I had a mentor and a, a partner and a coach. His name is Hedges Lebre. Uh, he runs Gracie San Diego. Oh. He was uh, Salo Ibero's first black belt. Hmm. Uh, he got his brown belt through Omaita, through Hoyler. Mm -hmm. And uh, Hedges was one of the best coaches I've ever had. I mean, incredible teacher. Very strong. But he had, I forget, he had more than one knee surgery. He had two knee surgeries. But I, I realized that it was his weak feet and ankles. So I started doing foot and ankle work with him a lot, working wow. his calves. And since that time, he has never had another knee injury. See, that's amazing. I, I put that together. It was like, yeah. why is this guy who was built like just beautiful physique, you know, yeah. really strong, yeah. incredibly technical jiu-jitsu guy, why was he chronically, chronically having knee, knee issues? And it came down to feet and angles. So the the whole kinetic chain. Hmm. And the work you're doing there was to reachieve mobility and strength, I mean, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. We worked his feet. What uh, is that, a lot what of people like? do calf raises. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But they forget about tibial dorsiflexion for the front of the shin. Yeah. yeah. Eversion, inversion. Huh. You have to work all angles of the calf and yeah. the ankle. Primarily, though, you know, if you don't have ankle and foot problems, if you just work. Uh, um, flexion and, and extension of the ankle, you're hitting almost everything. Really? But, you know, if you have a history of ankle problems, you've got to yeah. add eversion and inversion. You can do that with various, what you know, you can use uh, isometrics, rubber bands. Sure. Or, I'm really big for barking on the outside of your ankles. We did a little footwork this yeah. morning, right. sitting on your feet, stretching out your yeah. toes, stretching yeah. out the, the, the fascial tissue in the bottom of the yeah. feet. A lot of guys don't stretch their right, feet. Right. The feet get stiff. Oh, when you came up on your on the you're on the tops of your feet and yes. then your knees came up. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. foot. That thing, rarely right? stretches out yeah. the ankles and the top of the feet. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good idea to keep the feet as flexible as possible. 
I heard a nickname for the feet, the little soldiers. I just think that's like, <laughs> there, Pretty much, it all yeah. starts there. I was just thinking, I, I, <laughs> when I first got into outdoors in my early 20s, I got in because I wanted a rock climb. And then I bought the $200 pair of boots to hike in and all that stuff. And then I read a book about a guy who was the first dude to walk the Grand Canyon end to end. And he did it in a pair of tennis shoes. And he's like, kind of to your point, he's like, boots are over-engineered. They make your ankles wink, the whole deal. Literally cast. And I started doing all of my big approaches for climbing, like seven, eight, ten miles, sometimes more, in flip-flops. With all my climbing gear with me, 40 pounds of climbing gear with flip-flops, because then I could just take them off and clip them to my harness or throw them in the backpack and get away. Yeah, put on your... Your yeah, yeah. and and I think after all, you know, that's probably was an unintentional benefit over the next twenty years of my life where I, my feet got really the strong. The only thing is football, really you do have a tendency to grip. Mm. Totally, like, get yeah, very yeah. Strong and very tight one way, so you got to yeah. make sure. You, hmm. uh, that's why I like uh, sandals with a strap that yeah. hold, holds the sandal oh, on yeah. your foot. I know what you mean. Yeah, hold it to your foot. Yeah, yeah. Certain, my uh, my yeah. girlfriend hiked Grand Canyon with me. We hiked down to the bottom and back up, and she wore just the five finger ribbon. Yeah. yeah, and I had on a very light pair of um, uh, minimal shoes. Yeah, and there were nothing, no support whatsoever. Yeah, when we were in Austria, we were climbing up through the pre-Alps with our friend, and she was just wearing ribbon five fingers, and you'd see the Germans and the Swiss of these giant. Huge boots. Like your, uh, you know, like Frankenstein, Herman, Herman Munster boots. And, uh, and uh, they're looking like, you know, like, whoa, what, I, are, what are these crazy Americans doing with their thin little shoes on? Yeah. yeah. Some guys are, I bow hunt with in Oregon are the same way. Like, I wear tennis shoes pretty often out in the woods, and they've got the big full boots on. I'm like, I can move away faster than you guys. About, uh, I just watched a show on the, uh, one of the History Channels. About Lewis and Clark that discovered this yeah, area. Yeah, sure. They were just wearing markets. Gosh, really? In fact, their market, the, the terrain was so tough, they had to repair their moccasins every three days. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Talk about tough guys. It was winter. That is. And some of the guys didn't have socks. And they're wrapping, like, rags around their feet inside their moccasins trying to, you know, yeah. insulate. And now that whole party, they only lost one guy. You know, one of the other interesting things is they were drinking mercury. The whole time, on that on that trip, to um, they thought it helped their stomach issues. Oh my god! Yeah. So they can track where they camped. Oh no way. Based on these mercury mercury poops. Yeah, basically. They kept really good diaries and journals, yeah. so everything oh. was detailed. Huh. But the most amazing thing was it was that young young girl, Sakawajeo, yeah, and. Um, she was carrying an infant the whole time and nursing oh, wow. it. That's tough as hell. That's tough as hell. Dude. <laughs> wow. Dude, the calories that she would need to eat for herself and then an infant. They were I, lean. We saw... They were lean they people, were lean, man. man. There we, was no fatties in yeah. there. <laughs> we saw a sign in Oregon, my wife and I, that said that they were eating... I don't know the number. It was some insane number. It was like four deer and an elk for the party a day. Like that was the, the amount they were oh, consuming wow. every single day. Wow. There Pretty came bonkers. a point where they had yeah. to uh, eat their horses. Yeah. Oh, they, 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 you know, hunting yeah. got pretty slim. So they more than once uh, killed and ate their horses and uh, dogs sometimes. Wow. They, you know, they got meat hungry. But uh, the, my point was, though, that they did it all in moccasins. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. No yeah. sole, just yeah. leather 
Moccasins. Yeah. Well, they tra- they walked halfway across the United States. What's, what I find it's really interesting is that, you know, say you have, you know, a person practicing a certain sport, whatever it is, then you have injuries. And then I think the tendency in that community or in health is to over-engineer something to minimize those injuries. But yeah. what you're doing is detracting from the skills that you need to develop strength and conditioning yeah. and whatever that process should be to live healthier, you know, have more mobility and uh, injury prevention. Injury you know? prevention. Now, yeah. The running community, you know, the professional level runners, they're paid yeah. by shoe companies to wear shoes. They're yeah, shoes, yeah. Sure. Most of the racing flats in Marathon, though, is like just flat. Yeah. Completely non-supportive, you know? Yeah. And um, uh, no one ever said running's healthy. <laughs> yeah. Most of those guys look pretty emaciated. And, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of evidence now that uh, that type of extreme distance running, like marathons, half marathons, and so forth, uh, really is not very heart healthy at all. Over over time, it really erodes your wow. your body. Wow. It takes a huge toll. So Just like nothing drinks. natural about running like that. Yeah, you know, um, before we uh, get into that too much, I was hoping to um, kind of well, thank you for being here, and also express a little bit about what we're, we've been doing uh, with this podcast and what it's become to uh, to us, mm-hmm. and. Um, and then also we have a fourth person here that we've, David's never been, uh, had these discussions with us, but I know you have a rapport together and I thought he would be a nice addition. So long story short, I, I did want to kind of express something to you. Just David introduced me to your work a number of years ago and the way that he uh, metabolizes and takes in information, I've always really appreciated because he metabolizes it in such a way where, first of all, it sticks and secondly, he also applies it laterally to other aspects of his life. And that's something that I was pretty quick to appreciate about what you do is that you tend, it seems to me at least, that you address a lot of different aspects of life. Um, and I, I have found that in my life, in doing so, there's a lot of cross-application and also support that you get from other aspects of your life, right? And so when Ron and I started this podcast last year, we called it cut, or he came up with the name cutting for sign. And essentially what that means to us is it's a hunting term, uh, pretty archaic, but it essentially just means finding the little signs on, on the trail of what you are tracking and then deciphering what they mean and then following them. We thought it was a good metaphor for what we do in life to how we navigate our life when we find the symbols, the synchronicities, the meaningful things. And you've kind of been one of those for me. And it's been huge. It's why I kind of touch base every six months, although I'm sure you get hit up a lot. Uh, it's just like you've been very helpful in, for me, not only practically in certain things. Oh, my gosh. Squirrel friends. Hey, Some people have girlfriends. Squirrel friends. I wonder if that means he likes us. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's, like, that's a good omen right there. That's a good sign. He decided to come in and like, hey, what's <laughs> all that? What's your, he came what's right up party, man? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's peanut. That's peanut. <laughs> you are what you eat. Yeah. Uh, long story short, though, I think you get the point. Um, we came up about two years ago, had a private lesson yeah. with you, met you. It was really helpful for us because, and here's the thing. I'm a dancer. Ronald, uh, um, martial arts, climbing, He's he's got something different going on than I do. Self-defense. But we come up here to travel hours to come see you because 
we are all entering a phase of our life where we have to be more careful and wish mm-hmm. we could have been this way before. And, and it makes your work tends to, I think, and why I value it, it's opening up years and potentially decades of movement and thriving in what I love to do. Mm-hmm. So I get to have a career later in my life because by hook and by crook, for whatever reason, I didn't get into it when I wish I would have. And it's really making me, ha- helping me be a happier person. And I have hope and I feel calmer because I don't feel rushed. I don't feel re- regretful, resentful. And it's just meant a lot to me. So in the cutting for sign for me, like you, you've provided some sign for me and I really appreciated it. Well, thank you. I appreciate the sentiments. Yeah. Thanks for exposing that. Yeah, absolutely, man. And that was sitting here in your tiny room. I mean, what do I you know. think? I yeah. know he's been a big influence for you. Yeah, it's incredible. I was just thinking as I was walking over to the tiny home, and I was thinking to myself, I'm going to be in Steve's tiny home. And I remember <laughs> I catching an interview with you on London Reel with Brian Rose, and, and just found it incredibly inspiring and informative. And then, you know, Daniel and I share a lot together, and so... Yeah, you know, you put things out in the universe, I suppose, and you work towards them, and, you know, uh, you create connections and relationships, and things can manifest and happen. That's how manifestation happens, through others. Yeah. It's never like some miracle, you know, that just appears out of the heavens. It's always through our fellow man. Yeah. In fact, one of my affirmations every morning, Hmm. those that need me most and those that I need most are inexplicably drawn together. (laughs) That's great. I have a similar one that says, what is for me will not miss me, and what is not for me I will not even notice. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. So I, I really liked our, our um, jiu-jitsu lesson today and our um, you know, movement lesson. But one of the things that stood out to me was something you said offhanded about your own ego. Uh-huh. And, and I, my ears perked up immediately. And it was something to the effect of, I still beat myself up about what I can't do anymore or what I wish I could do. And, and I think any person who got, who has been good athletically has some form of ego, healthy or not. It's a kind of, um, you know, we have a lot of confidence because we can move across the earth like other people can. We can go like, that's what I loved about my climbing career. I loved being in places that were improbable places that most people couldn't go to. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't like skiing. I don't like getting all geared up to go outside and being a group of people. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> this, this, is, like, this is dumb. So I'm, I'm with you, by the way. Okay. <laughs> any, sport, any sport that requires gear. Nah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that ego wrestling, and I'll share. I'll, maybe I'll kick off a little bit with my experience with that. I grew up in a um, Pentecostal evangelical community growing up. Uh, I went to school to be a pastor. I could never allow myself fully to go into that world and to teach and lead and all those things that I trained to do. And yet I still feel a little bit of a draw to the mystery I lean against it, it leans back, it's, it's a beautiful thing. But what, one of the side effects of growing into that community is I had a vo- an inner voice, I'm 41, that was there until I was 39 and would wake me up in the middle of the night talking to me. I could hear it. And it would say something like, what a piece of shit I am. How I'm never going to live up to my potential. How I will not be able to escape the flaws of my father who was married eight times before he died who died early from heart disease and lifestyle choices um and it was 
through a bunch of different modalities that I was working on, meditation, eating really well. At the time, I was microdosing psilocybin. Uh, I was talking to my therapist, you know, praying, the whole, everything, everything I could, everything I could just say, Daniel, I say, using every tool on Batman's toolbox, tool, tool belt, you know, it's all going. So when I was 39, finally the thought occurred to me, is this helpful? Is this voice that I'm dealing with helpful at all? And um, for the first time in my life, I felt this like immense relief, like, oh, it's not. This isn't helping me one iota. And I got to, for the first time, just set it aside. I didn't have to like tell it to go away. I didn't fight with it. It was just like, that tool, I don't, I don't know why I thought I needed it ever to begin with, but I'm just going to set it aside, and it's only gotten better and better. So I'm really curious to hear about your experience with your ego and what that's been like through your life and how you've reconciled your life with it and, and how you have a healthy ego now. Well, these voices are demons. <laughs> They're not real. Yeah. Demonic demons. I mean, not in the traditional sense, sure. you know, but... You know, if there is such a thing yeah, yeah. as uh, 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 demonic voices, you know, that type of negative type of entity that mm -hmm. is within us all. Yeah. Um, so I, you cannot control your thoughts. Thoughts are going to come into your mind, but you mm -hmm. can accept certain thoughts and rid yourself of certain thoughts. I often will say, I refuse to accept that as mm. the mm. final say, or yeah. I refuse to accept this as the final situation, or I, I refuse to entertain that thought. Mm. And uh, so it's it's like uh, mental judo. Yeah, you know? you're always constantly wrestling and you know fighting with those inner inner voices, those negative voices. But you don't have to accept them. Yeah. And you can you know you you accept the uh, the good thoughts and you get rid of the you'll entertain them at least yeah. and get rid of the other ones to remind myself of this uh, I wear uh, a medal that I bought in Moscow hmm. that's St. George slaying the dragon slaying the dragon yeah St. Hmm. George was a Roman soldier who lived in the time of I believe Diocletian he was the first Roman emperor to start uh, torturing and, and uh, against Christianity oh interesting and, and uh, he was a Roman legionnaire who uh was a hero. He had, he had uh, slain a, a beast outside a, a, a village, you know, hence the dragon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, he refused to give up his Christian faith and became a martyr and then later was canonized and sainted. So whether it was a real St. George or not, sure, yeah. whether he actually existed, where, you know, whether he killed this dragon, you know, it doesn't matter. It's a symbol. Yeah. It's symbolic yeah. of the battle that we fight every day. So I see this little... And there's a little prayer written in Russian, mm -hmm. you know. And, but the idea is to remind myself daily that we're always fighting this battle. It's mm -hmm. a never-ending battle, mm -hmm. and you can't stop. And this mineral is also from Russia. It's called shungite. Mm -hmm. It absorbs negative electromagnetic fields mm -hmm. and even negative vibes from people. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's kind of a protective gem against sure. all negative energy. And, uh, yeah, so I wear it as a kind of reminder. Is that something that I was kind of curious? You can about. buy Russian Shungite, by the way, mm. <laughs> uh, to protect yourself against computers. Uh, you know, like television waves, radio waves, yeah. uh, computer. You know, uh, electromagnetic energy from mm. high wires, yeah. from your lights, all that kind of stuff. We're bombarded constantly. Yeah, it does have an effect on your energy levels. 
Yeah. Uh, in laboratory animals, uh, it throws them off their uh, breeding cycles, and yeah. these okay. animals will get depressed or gain weight and all sure. sorts of nasty things. I was kind of curious, uh, uh, where are some areas in your life, which Ronald's kind of like, I guess we're curious about this, where you feel pushed and challenged most, or at least significantly, and beyond the challenges you um, uh, apply to yourself or impose upon yourself through jiu-jitsu, and et cetera? Well, I really resonated. I, I was also... Uh, reared in the First Church of Christ, mm. which is a holy roller church. Mm -hmm. My mother was like the real Bible, Bible yeah. thumper. Uh, yeah. And I can remember, even as a really little kid, I, I can't believe the parents would make their kids sit through it. You know, <laughs> yeah. Hotter than Hades. Yeah. Mm. You know, in a church, a little kid, and, um, you know, Brother Bob would be up there, a hellfire and brimstone, you know. <laughs> yeah hitting the pulpit and crying and going through histronics and quite yeah. entertaining. Yeah, yeah. They're good entertainers. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It really kept the congregation quiet. <laughs> sure, sure. You know, it's got to make his page. It was, it, really. it was one of those ones, you know, amen, you know. Yeah. And it, yeah. it was like, Where was that? What part of the country was that? Uh, Meadville, Pennsylvania. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And when did you leave that world? Uh, once I became, uh, got uh, in high school, Yeah. I pretty much started rejecting a lot of the How'd your, how'd your parents do with that? Uh, they were actually pretty good about it. Yeah. You know, they didn't really give me a hard time. And it sounds like you have... Well, see, here's the other thing. Okay. My father, in the meantime, had also grown up in one of those churches and had rejected Christianity. He was a Unitarian. Oh, interesting. So my mother would take me and my brother to the Holy Roller Church. Yeah. My dad went to the Unitarian Church. <laughs> so he was a pretty open-minded kind of guy. You interesting. Know? Unitarianism is pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, you know, it is Pretty inclusive. It is. It's uh, big, it's big started, in Portland. He started going to regular church then later on as we mm. uh, got in high school. But for the most part, um, yeah, I just rejected all Christianity. Mm -hmm. But does that come up to some extent uh, today in some way in your life? Not that specifically, but some of the results of that? Or Well, what brought me back was I read a book by Yogananda. Uh, he, he wrote the book uh, Diary of a Yogi, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but then he wrote an equally fascinating book I would recommend every Christian read. It was called The Second Coming of Christ. Hmm. And it took a yogi to bring me back to my faith hmm. because he looked at the metaphysical meaning behind the Christian Bible and he broke it down mm. and every story in there was just amazing you know, wow. none of those people existed yeah. none of those things really happened they're not historical fact even though you have people that really believe every little fable yeah. in there as like you know gospel, gospel. <laughs> <laughs> literalist yeah, literalist yeah. but the meaning is absolutely for, for sure yeah you know, the meaning of life is contained in those passages if you know how to look and interpret yeah. and read it. Do you consider yourself a Christian? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Hmm. Yep. Huh. And, uh, yeah, I see it. I, 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 I think that, um, yeah, the metaphysical, you know, sort of like uh, a Christian mystic. Yeah. Very powerful. Yeah. You know? So you don't get into as much, uh, do you validate other people's religions and experiences of religion? Um, well, when you say validate, what do you mean? Like, would you, this is kind of like, don't talk about religion or politics, so I'm treading on light ground here, uh, but I'm just <laughs> curious if you 
think that other religions uh, are functional and working for people and are valid? I, I think they do. I mean, I have a friend that's uh, really into uh, Confucianism and Taoism. He's a yeah. Chinese guy, and for him, yeah. that works great. He taught me a lot of really interesting things. Huh. You know? uh, I have several Buddhist friends. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. The, the Buddhism has a great message. Mm -hmm. Really, really good stuff. You know? Yeah. Um, I have mixed feelings about Islam. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You know, especially with uh, some of the uh, some of the problems that we run into with the uh, jihadists and so mm -hmm. forth. That you know. Huh. I I don't think there's any room for for that type of thing. Mm -hmm. There's this uh, idea that the and I might be a little off here, but I read uh, some years ago that religion broken down is religios, which essentially means to relink. And so the idea is that a religion relinks us to what you would call the creator or God or the universe, all that. The thing outside of ourself that is larger than ourself and potentially encompassing of everything. And pretty early on in my 20s, I kind of landed on, oh, I, I, I wonder if religions then are just expressions like languages and they all can work. Um, but they're all going to be different for different cultures, and they're all the, the different personal little cultures doorway back to, you know, the mystery. And I really liked that. That felt um, real and factual, potentially. And um, What do you think about that? Well, I just know mostly about Christianity. You know? Yeah. And I, I, I really do believe that, you know, Christ, the, the, uh, the entity that was Christ, was the example for us all. I see. You know, not that even, I mean, there obviously was a historical Jesus, but it, it was, the, the message was his example. I see. You know, and everything is a metaphor for something higher. Huh. Just like we were talking about pain and aches and sickness and yeah. Ill, Ill, illness, it's just merely a metaphor for the things that are going wrong in your life. Hmm. What creates sickness, illness, yeah. um, Lack, limitation, uh, poverty, it, it's a mindset. Yeah. You know, you could equally divide all the world's wealth amongst everyone. Mm -hmm. And within a very short period of time, with, you know, I, I would venture less than a year, be but, bad. you know, uh, the rich would once again be rich and the poor would once again be poor because, mm -hmm. you know, being poor and suffering lack and limitation and so yeah. forth is a mindset. Wealth, wealth is in a mindset. Yeah. And if you don't have that mindset, you you can be given all sorts of stuff. Yeah. You know, have you heard the saying, pearls before swine? Oh, yeah. You know, because a person that doesn't have a wealth consciousness yeah. can't possibly, you know, accumulate any kind of wealth or any kind of situation where they're, they're, they're comfortable. But the same thing happens with disease. People that have negative belief systems are going to be chronically full of aches, pains, sickness, you know? Yeah. And you can overcome an awful lot of that just by changing your mindset. What's an example of a negative mindset or belief? Well, you know, like, belief in disease. You know, some people really believe it. Oh, there's a bug out there, and, you know, I, it's going to get me. Yeah. You know? And they really believe that. Yeah. You know? And invariably, they will get sick a lot. Colds, flu, fevers, you know? Yeah. And I believe you can sublimate a lot of that through your belief. Yeah. You know, and there's some people, oh, it's not scientific and oh, yeah. bullshit. You know, it's been scientifically proven, blah, blah, blah. 
But, you know, science says no, everything. And there's so many mysteries of the universe that science cannot explain at yeah. all. You know? You can science measure what's measurable. <laughs> you can me- and, and, and there's a lot of things we mm. don't even know to measure. Yeah. You know? And you can't. There's nothing. We wouldn't even know where to begin. Wouldn't even it know where like to begin. It seems like money and health, those two places are places where, uh, as if, because I've been experiencing a, um, an inner shift in a more abundant health and more abundant wealth. And it's really changing my life. And I could go into the nuance and detail of that, and it's been really fun and interesting. And it's real. Um, and you have to work on it every single uh, day. Agree. Yeah. 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 You know, I would he, say, like, the. And you gotta ward off those negative yeah. thinking. You know? yeah. 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 I'll explain it like this. Like um, a lot of people believe in accidents or misfortune. See, I don't believe in misfortune. I don't think anything happens by accident. I think everything happens with mathematical precision. Hmm. You know, the laws of the universe. Uh, let's say an accident is a really low vibratory pattern. It's vibrating at this level, and you're vibrating at this level. So you never meet the level of an accident. But now, let's say you're tired, maybe you had too much to drink, or you took drugs, or you're, you know, you're just having a really negative time, really negative thoughts. Yeah. All of a sudden, your vibratory pattern's about the same level as an accident. Boom. Hmm. You meet that accident sometimes head on. Yeah. You know, I have, I'll give an example. I was driving one time, and I was thinking some really negative thoughts. I was real pissed off. And I was just really angry. And I, I was just thinking some pretty bad thoughts about mm-hmm. somebody, you know? And I came up, and I almost went through this really dangerous intersection. You know, I, I almost missed the stop sign. I was yeah. so into my negative mindset in my head. And something just made me hit the brake at the last second, and a semi just went, whoa. I came within a hair's breadth of mm. it. That's just one little example that could happen every day. I allowed my mind to kind of cloud my judgment. Yeah. I wasn't, I was into my head. I wasn't paying attention to what's around me. I wasn't in the present moment. You know, I was in this yeah. fictitious story I'm telling myself, yeah. get myself worked up. Yeah. And that really brought me back. I was like, ooh. I was going to say, I'm cutting for some sign there. Like, wow. I mean, I need awesome. to You've experienced a lot well, of Well, you know, I was, I was thinking about the, like, the negative mindset and then, you know, I don't want to say versus, but then there's the growth mindset, right? So, it, and I think for what this conversation is, or maybe for some of us, it's, you know, the journey from that negative mindset, you know, negative thoughts, feelings, perspectives, and the journey to creating, cultivating, uh, affirming that growth mindset that allows us to vibrate differently, uh, you know, maybe include people in our lives or maybe exclude some people who maybe aren't vibrating with us and searching for opportunity and elevating ourselves. So I think yeah. the journey from that negative mindset to the growth yeah. and that can manifest physically out in the world with others, I think is, is the reflection of that process and that journey. And so, yeah, when one is feeling negative and you're maybe slightly irrational, maybe we're not paying attention so much and, you know, we're distracted and, you know, things can occur uh, within that, within that, uh, you know, well, process. Like that idea, too, that I heard recently um, that when you're at like a seven emotionally or triggered or emotional, you get about at a seven in, in your window of tolerance, you're kind of getting out of it. Um, your IQ drops uh, potentially upwards of 30 points. Um, but also, 
your the center from which you start to think and speak and be is also a younger and potentially more traumatized part if you're if you're having if you have that in your past. So all these things seem to work against you, um, and it seems like it could be very easy to have a negative feedback loop, like things get worse and worse because you have yeah. you know, things crumble pretty fast. It seems like. It's it's Eeyore from from Winnie the Pooh, right? <laughs> like, and, and you keep cycling. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like notice you keep having the same experiences until you learn to totally. overcome those experiences. Yeah, that's actually cool that that happens. I yeah, guess. it's like a cycle. Right so mm-hmm. you know, you got to recognize the cycle, then you got to break free. Part of it is just being present, not thinking. You yeah. know, you don't think the past is done, man. Sure, yeah. it's gone. Yeah. You know, whatever mistakes you made, you have to forgive yourself and move on. You know. And you live in the present moment and as much as you can. And uh, you, you do look forward to the future, you know, mm. but you're not living in the future. Sure. Some people will just completely live in the future for that special day they retire yeah. or yeah. that special vacation home that they're going to buy. And everything's, you know, in the future. When you said forgive yourself, what does that look like for you? Um, not holding ill feelings about myself for past mistakes yeah do do you so a few minutes ago you you said i'm not going to entertain that thought yeah you say that out loud i'll 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 i reject this thought i reject this thought i refuse to accept this i've said those exact same things when you feel so part of my um affirmations i think you you and i were talking about this in the car i go through seven things in the morning that i forgive myself for and seventh, and I name them. I forgive myself for not putting the work in on my book today. I forgive myself for losing my patience with my fourteen-year-old son. When you are working on, and, and I don't think there's any right way or wrong way to do it. I'm just no, really no curious. Yeah, yeah. Really the, the, curious. Way that, the way that uh, resounds most with you. Sure. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. Using affirmations as a way yeah. of programming your subconscious mind. Yeah. Because everything that you have, your body, the way you look. Your, your possessions are all a projection of the subconscious mind. Mm. Yeah. And we program yeah. that subconscious mind all totally the time. Agree with that. And the subconscious mind will create, it can create illness or it can yeah. create health. It can create poverty or it can, can create wealth. <laughs> That's awesome. It can create immense sadness yeah. and disappointment or it can great joy. So you control that to an extent. Now, no, you can't control everything, obviously. Bad things happen sometimes. But it's not what happens, it's the way you react to it. And, that, and a lot of times, seeming disasters end up being blessings and Opportunities. Big time. And opportunities. You know, it seems like, yeah. oh my God, what a horrible thing, what a tragedy. Yeah. And then later you find out, wow, you know, that really saved yeah. me. Or it, that's the best possible thing that could have happened. Yeah. I, I, tr- I try to live in the space where things are for me and not happening to me. And that happened to us yesterday. Your car got shit all over, and it was you thought your car was ruined, and it ended up being perfect timing for I mean, the, whole, I ha- the whole trip. I have this little... It's not a superstition. I just... Every time I spill something, I spill something or make a mess, like in my house or so, car or whatever, you know, I'm, I make some mess. He knows. Like, I, I get a little loose. You <laughs> know? <all> do. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like, you know, pretty rough to get out or something. But what happens is I, I have to put so much energy into that area, and then that that effort kind of spreads a little further into maybe the whole kitchen that that mess just triggered my whole kitchen being so much better and more comfortable than it was. Mm -hmm. And that these guys, I just put a lot of attention into 
purchasing a, a car that has really helped my life quite a bit. And part of that was wanting to give people rides and not be like stingy in that way. And so I got guys were, were driving my car and I was so excited and I, I, I was ready to host these guys in this drive up and really enjoy the drive, you know. And the, the day before, we were over shaking out some of the tech issues so this would go smoothly. And the what felt like the first rain in Portland happened, I happened to park under a tree. And the tree happened to be under a, a freeway. And I felt like all of the summer's freeway and tree and summer flotsam just got rained down onto my car. And it coated my car into the, the nastiest substance I've ever seen. And I mean every centimeter. And I had something I had to do in all the shops were going to close. Long story short, I went to a, a place the next day and said, hey, what should I do? And the guy who details cars professionally said, y you're really close to screwing your, your whole car's paint job. you got to take really good care of this right now. And long story short, same idea as the kitchen. I, you know, he just happened to not be able to leave early enough in the morning. We had a couple hours that came up, and I could attend to m not only outside of my car, but that extended to the inside of the car. By the time I picked these guys up, we were riding in a very comfortable, clean, energetic. We felt great. Yeah. You know, energetically, clean, clean yeah. cleanliness is next to godliness. <laughs> <laughs> I feel it, man. Dude, I was cleaning this time. <laughs> you were, sure that's right. I felt so good. Yeah. The first Teresa was kind of nagging at me. She said, this place is really dirty. <laughs> <laughs> and I my little squirrel left some little poop. <laughs> and uh, I, at first I really resented it because I was feeling a little tired. Sure. And, you know, it was like I, I was kind of kind of irritated, yeah. you know? And then I started getting into it. Yeah. And then it was like, <laughs> man, am I glad that she kind of pestered me about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then by the time I was done, I took all the carpets, I moved that sofa, I took everything out, put everything back in. And you guys visiting, you know. Really appreciate it. it yeah, no, it is. <laughs> well, you know, we often say, you know, your home, your space, whatever it is, is a reflection of your mind. Exactly. You know, so, like, yeah. for example, I'm scrupulous about making my bed. Yeah. Mm. Even when I traveled in hotels, I always made I my bed. That, yeah. Messy bed, messy mind. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. clutter, yeah. clothes. I always kept my clothes neatly rolled and folded in my little backpack. Yeah. Yeah. Always would make my bed, even though there was maids. I never would not, I, I wouldn't, I would always keep my environment neat. Yeah. yeah because absolutely. it shows a, a like a, a mindset that mm -hmm. is organized. Mm -hmm. And disorganized minds just leave things in a terrible jumble. And it, it brings you down energetically. It yeah. really does. All these little simple mundane daily things actually aren't mundane at all. They're yeah. actually very, very important. They do. One of the things I was thinking of listening to all of us here is, is these are the small blocks that create the foundation for a person to have agency in their life. In other That's words, right. they have choices that they can make. Um, I'm fascinated by the journey of the the western male we don't have rites of passages we don't have indicate our indicators that tell us we're men are oh you're 18 you can uh join the military you're 21 you can get drunk um there are these donkey islands 16 from, when you can drive yeah yeah, yeah there's these yeah. They're, they're pinocchio donkey island moments like <laughs> the closest you know, thing we have i think to uh, a rite of passage is Probably like the Crucible in the Marine Corps. Yeah. That's the only one I can think of. That's uh, all I can think of, too. Military service is the only thing I can think of as well. I did one for my son. I wanted him to have a right of passage. Did you? Really? So I took him on a wild boar hunt. Whoa. And we hunted a boar with a pistol. Whoa. A 45 caliber on this old school military 
pistols, you know, like they carried in World yeah. War II. Yeah. One of the most Whoa. powerful handguns, really. And um, we went with a friend of mine, uh, this guy, Rick Leonard, who was a firearms instructor at the FBI Academy. He's the one that taught me how to shoot. Mm. And uh, he had one of those, what is it, a 464 Kazool? It's like more powerful than, uh, it's a little, one step down from a Desert Eagle. Oh, wow. But it's up <laughs> above like a, what was the Dirty Harry gun? 44 Magnum. Yeah, it's yeah. more powerful. So between 40. a 44 and a 50 caliber. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere <laughs> in there. It's a big He hunted with that. Jeez. And uh, so we went out, uh, Tioga Game Preserve in uh, northern Pennsylvania, right on the New York border. Okay. Uh, I don't know how many acres, but it was like, man, it was huge tract of land. And we were out there all day looking for these boars, which they stalked. We had a guy that was taking us along because he knew pretty much where they hide. And sure enough, there was a boar who thought he was hidden, but not hidden as well as he thought. Mm -hmm. And so I just slipped the gun into Zach's hand, slipped off to safety, and said, go for it. And he aimed carefully, we had been practicing, mm -hmm. and he put it right in the chest. And it shuddered, you know? And I said, here, you better give that back. Mm -hmm. we, I didn't know where it hit it. <laughs> and those things can be pretty nasty, you know? And I put one right behind his ear, mm -hmm. and it went right down. And... Um, I made him watch how they slaughtered it. You know, he gutted it right in the field. Wow. Um, he he brought in like one of those little mini uh, tractors uh, into the woods, and then we uh, hooked up a chains and drug it back. And I, I made Zach watch them slaughter it. And I said, if you can't stand the sight of this and the blood and the guts, you should be a vegan, and you should never eat meat again. I want you to see where your meat comes from. Mm -hmm. yeah. I want you to see what the whole process is. Yeah. If you're not okay with this, then you should be a vegetarian. He made it through the tough bar. Yeah, man. We, we yeah. had pork tenderloin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah. You know, Ronald got into bow shooting well in his childhood, but he's really ramped it up recently. And he's about to go on, not his first time, he's been on a bunch of them, but he's never, and stop me if I'm wrong, yeah. never killed a, a deer, elk, or large game with a bow. But he's been working very diligently, and he got me into shooting a little bit. I use my dad's crusty old compound bow. It's like 35 years old, but it's been very good for my shoulders and uh, and very fun and interesting um, just primally. But I'm not doing it to, with the intention of hunting. He has, and he does these obstacle courses where he has to hit deer in very specific ways and dot, dot, dot. He's ready to do it. And I feel like you... I would feel that that would be a rite of passage that you feel like you're putting yourself through. It, it is, definitely is. I, I was thinking, how old was Zach when you were? Twelve. Twelve. So it's kind of like the age of manhood in most... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. You, know, you you cease to be like a boy and you're kind of, now you're a young man. Yeah. A teenager. Yeah. So that I was had, his twelfth birthday. I had a similar experience of about 14, 15, killing an elk, gutting it, the whole the whole thing. And, and I... I I'm sad that we don't, I, mean, I love that you called that a rite of passage, that you, you said this is, I don't know if you said that to your son or well, not, but that was in the, your We mind. prayed over the pig, mm -hmm. and so, we, we gave gratitude. Yeah, that's great. And it was really important for yeah. him to understand, this is where your meat comes from, yep. this is the cycle of life, yep. you know. How did he do killing that animal? I'm curious too. Pardon? Yeah. How did he do killing the animal? When he realized that animal was dead. Yeah. How did he do? Did he cry? Did he? Was he no. moved? Was he? Uh, no. 
No, no, no. Yeah. He, he took it kind of matter of fact. Mm -hmm. Do you, you think... Know, the, he, he was a little off-put by the, the guts and the sure. blood. Yeah. Sure. He'd never seen anything like that. He's just, you don't until you do. And it's like, whoa. He's like, dude, don't look away. Yeah. Look. Yeah. How about yeah. you emotionally, uh, just if, if, you, if you could, how would you do with uh, killing an animal, big animal these days? Maybe you do. I don't, I don't know. Uh, for me, personally... Uh, I just don't think it's necessary for me to kill them. Yeah. You know? Um, I can get what I need pretty much from the local people around here. Yeah. Uh, there's a place that sells uh, wild game. Yeah. So I don't feel like I have to go out and do it myself. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. You know, You've been there. I, I, don't don't really, avoided. I mean, to tell the guys on the street, I don't enjoy it. I yeah, you know, yeah. I would only out of necessity, sure. but why would it be a necessity? Oh, because I had a lack of limitation mentality, you know. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll get someone else to hunt for me. Yeah, well, yeah. this is—I'll I'll give them something else in exchange. You know? <laughs> get agrarian. Is what what, I, what I really like though is that the lesson is still applies, though, right? If you've been through it and you've yeah. done it, and you yeah. like, you know, with your son, you prayed over the animal, and you're you're teaching gratitude, appreciation for something, that'll apply. You know, you've done it, and I think that applies. You know, obviously in that moment, and then in other areas of life too. So, you know, Steve was saying, I don't have to do it. I've been there and I've done it. Yeah, and it, yeah. the lesson has applied itself to me, yeah. and it manifests elsewhere in life. You know. Yeah, I mean, there's other things I can do other than going out and hunting. Yeah, for, sure, for sure. But I would like to talk about the manifestation process a little bit. I'd love to. Do that. Everyone has the ability, innate ability, to manifest whatever it is that they want, and the level that you manifest is dependent on your level of faith. Low faith, low manifestation. High faith. So, for example, you can't manifest a million dollars on $10,000 worth of faith. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have to have a million dollar <laughs> belief system. Yeah. And it takes work. Mm -hmm. Because most of us, from the time we're very young, are told, you can't do this, you can't yeah. do that. Mm -hmm. That's nonsense, that's stupid. Yeah. You know, Well-meaning, but misguided teachers, clergymen... Uh, parents, older siblings, you know, relatives, put negative ideas in your mind. You can't do that. Sure. Oh, that's never going to happen. You know, you're too little, you're too big, you're yeah. too fat, mm -hmm. you're too small, mm -hmm. you're too stupid, whatever. Mm -hmm. You get these negative mindsets. you got to first know what your mindset is. A lot of people go through life, yeah. they don't even realize all the crap. That's that right. Doing. We were talking about that's that yesterday, true. yeah. Then yeah. you got to get rid of it. you got to reprogram your mind with positive affirmations then you start to visualize and it's not the visualization process is one of feeling it's the feeling yeah. that creates it not mm -hmm. the words mm -hmm. although words have power you know yeah. the power of the spoken word yeah, yeah. you know but it's the feeling you generate the feeling the excitement you literally feel like it's already been done mm -hmm. that's where the faith comes in in your mind you already see it as having been done. And then, it, in fact, that's how I end my visualization. It is done. Hmm. Yeah. You know, and then I just kind of forget about hmm. it. Yeah. But I'll generate that feeling in my mind's eye. And sure enough, whatever it is, yeah. it will just magically appear. But not, yeah. not magically. Sure. Yeah, it's always through somebody else, by the way. Somebody will call me, write me, whatever. One of the things that was blocking the manifestation process for me earlier was... I wasn't expressing proper gratitude. Hmm. I was dissatisfied with what I had. When you when you are dissatisfied and you express dissatisfaction in the form of complaints yeah. or whatever, 
you're literally causing that to have more power. Whatever you're complaining about, sure. whatever you're feeling dissatisfied about, whatever negative gossip you're repeating about another person, mm -hmm. or you know, watching the news and all the negativity, mm -hmm. you know, they 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 thrive on that. Mm -hmm. um, that is what you're going to manifest, or is certainly going to limit the manifestation. So you got to cleanse your mind of all that negativity, and you got to express gratitude as if it's already happened. And then you got to really be grateful for every single thing you now have. By focusing on the things you're really thankful for, mm -hmm. you will create a energy system that attracts even more of the same thing. And that's not easy. That's just yeah. no, it's like working out. Work. Right? Yeah. You, know? yeah. you don't you know you don't go in and bench press you know 250 pounds your mm -hmm. first day, man. No. A lot of guys can't even do half their body weight, mm -hmm. and you build up, and you build your your faith muscles. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I like that. You know, in my experience, the real rub to all of this is, and you already addressed it, is that we're dealing with a subconscious, also. Like, and by also, it's kind of like primarily, you know. And I think of the subconscious as our inner world, and that's going to be like feelings, our emotions, you know, our beliefs, our thoughts, and You're I just feeling so. Yeah, and <laughs> that's why I think that what you said, the most important part, in my opinion, is that it's got to be a feeling instead of just a thought. Thoughts can get to feelings, thought can encourage, they can create, but it's the feeling that generates. I, I've, I've, established, I've uh, experienced, and also it's the feeling that when I change, and because I've recently been able to communicate with my feelings more than ever and start to alchemize them and start to change them and develop them, not suppress them, but literally choose. I have more choice. I have more agency over my feeling experience of this world. And what more do we have than our feelings that we have? You know, it's, it rules so many of our experiences and our choices and our actions and what we create in this life. And so I'm really curious when you say it's the feeling that's important, uh, how do you, off, how do you get to the feeling for you? Question. You know? Well, you, you gotta be aware of negative feelings that are in your body already in your mind mm -hmm. yeah I, I, I said body because mm -hmm. they really do become right. embodied Absolutely. Right. aches pains yeah. muscle you know all that kind of stuff and uh, you got to become aware of it and then you start to let go of a lot of those negative belief systems and then you reprogram the subconscious mind with positive affirmations constantly it's like an, it's never ending how do you let them go the negative ones. Um, I cast all fear and doubt upon the Christ within, so I'll be free. Yeah. I free myself of all negativity. Mm. You know. Mm. Um, I cast all fear and doubt upon the Christ within. And you'll feel that. You feel that. Yeah. I just make these positive affirmations. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I, that's one way. You know, yeah. I take a ritual cleansing. Like I'll wash my once I've met a negative person, even if they don't seem negative, I'll wash my hands up to the elbow sure. and throw <laughs> cold water and just. You know, fling sure. any negative energy off off my head. Yeah. It's just a little ritual, sure. subconscious thing, you know. Yeah. And then uh, I start to visualize what it is I want instead of thinking mm. about what I don't want. Mm. Yeah. I, you know, a lot of people just it's sit huge. around thinking of their problems. It's all huge. Day. Yeah. All day long. Oh, I don't have any money. My bank account. My you know, my car is all messed up. Uh, my 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 wife doesn't love me anymore. Or yeah. Whatever, and they're just thinking about all this stuff, and they're creating more and more of the same thing instead of like thinking about what they want but then the gratitude comes in because you have to 
think whatever power you believe in, higher power, whatever, uh, even if you're an atheist, you can think of yourself as the God within, the Christ within. You know, pray to yourself mm -hmm. if that's what it takes. It works no matter what. And you guys start to be feeling really grateful for the thing that you already have. It's huge. Awesome. And also gratitude for the thing that you're asking for. So, you know. Yeah. Th I think it's a subconscious mind, like a fulfillment center. Hmm. <laughs> I like that. You know, and you put your order in there with your conscious mind. And it works whether you know it or not. People are completely oblivious to this. It's still working the yeah. same way. Yeah. It's just that they're not getting what they really want. Or they're, they're ordering through their negative thinking. They're putting negative thought into the fulfillment center. And then the subconscious mind will work overtime to create the exact situation where you meet this person. Whoops, sorry. You meet this person or that person or you, you find yourself in this situation which creates the very thing that you've been thinking about all this time. Yeah. Whatever programming you put in there, that's pretty much what you're getting. And it works with love, it works with wealth and money, it works with your own physical body and your health. Yeah. It works with all those things. It's like, uh, I had this idea a few days ago where I just keep, or it's been happening over the last few months, I just keep seeing this pie chart when it comes to my attention. This came from painting, because I would be, have this great experience doing a painting up until the, generally up until the last little bit. It's 95, 99% done, right? But then I would be fixated on the little things that were wrong that by this time in the painting, no one would be able to recognize or see anyways except me. But 100% or of the vast majority of my attention, of my pie chart of attention, was focused on what was going wrong, and it made it miserable. It was a little form of hell, you know? And I couldn't let go, and it brought OCD, and it just, like, made it miserable. But I learned a valuable lesson there that I've since applied more and more. I'm still learning on how to do this. But uh, of just recognizing how much of my attention is on what's going wrong and how much of my attention is going what's right. Mm -hmm. And I do it when I clean my house, even. Because my house will look really nice, like, um, but I'll notice that I'm fo focusing on these little things that aren't going right, and I'm missing the joy of being in like a 95% done house. Not saying like a doctor mean, doing yeah. a, a brain surgery needs to like apply this, right? <laughs> but in my it's life, it's 95% there. <laughs> pretty good. It's an A But it's been a game changer, man. And I'm my well-being is getting better. I'm more relaxed. I feel, and then to your point, I feel my body relaxing. It's a, yeah, it's eternal vigilance. You can't let down, not even for a moment. Agreed. It, it, it <laughs> constant. It's like um, standing guard at the gates of hell. You know, you just can't let those demons get hold. You know, and that really impresses me, that imagery, I think, growing up as a Catholic, but also recognizing that we are, you say this a lot, we're constantly course correcting. We're course yeah. correcting our boat on the river, wherever we are, course correcting our life in a way that, you know, creates, you know, health. For us, uh, you know, wellness, uh, uh, financial, you know, stability, all that stuff. So you're constantly, you're ever vigilant. Yeah. I have another good visual for you. Yeah. A lot of, you know, like I say, you can't control the thoughts. Thoughts just constantly flow in your mind all day long. So thought control is impossible. Mm. But you can reject or mm. accept mm. certain thoughts. Nice. So uh, I really liked uh, Kurosawa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. The Great film. Samurai movie. Yeah. But he did this Seguro a Judo saga. It was about the beginnings of Judo. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe I you haven't. Seen that one. I don't think I've seen that one. No. It's a good one. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, they really cut it up. Oh, and no. the original had a lot more in there. 
But even as it is, it's still actually a, a really worthy film, shot in black and white. Oh. And there's this one scene... Uh, it's basically when Jigoro Kano organized the different houses of jiu-jitsu and created judo, hmm. a form of jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a young proponent of the new style of jiu-jitsu, yeah. and uh, he's accosted by these thugs from another jiu-jitsu school. And uh, it's in, uh, I think it's in Kyoto, where they have those canals. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the one guy accosts him, and he does this beautiful <laughs> hip throw and throws the guy right into the canal. Right? That's like taking that demon thought, and, 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 That's a good and, and, and I use mental judo, and yeah. I just toss that demon in, in, into the, the river. And then the other guy comes at it, and he does like the Tobinagi, the stomach throw, plants his foot, and whoosh, Flips the guy right into the room. Oh, that's awesome. And, and so tossing, I always see myself tossing <laughs> demons up and running. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Into a, like a, a river, you know? Oh, that's great. Goodbye. Yeah. Another <laughs> great visual is uh, we have always had these bothersome people, right? Yeah. In our lives that just really bug you a lot. <laughs> or perhaps you've had a, a broken heart from um, a, a love affair gone bad, you know? Or maybe a divorce. Sure and you're having trouble letting go. So I see that person in the palm of my hand, a giant hand mm. with just the vastness of the universe behind it, this mm. giant hand, and the person is just really little. <laughs> and I... <laughs> go away. <laughs> Goodbye. And then they just... Float off into the infinite. Dandelions. <laughs> <laughs> and another one, if you're really attached to someone or something, I'll see it attached to me like an umbilical cord, mm. and I'll see the giant scissors come in and just go, and they just kind of float off. Kind of like um, uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah. Oh, Remember yeah. when Hal? Yeah. Yeah, I just see <laughs> the person just float off into space. I think what's cool about this, and I... See what I hear a lot of people, and maybe it's a voice in, in excuse me, in myself, just an echo. I, I don't really buy into it, but <clears throat> a lot of cynicism get can when applied to kind of what we're talking about. It really um, saddens me deeply because I I don't think there's a lot of. I'm not going to say there's not a lot of mystery here. I'm not trying to say that, but I think what you're talking about for me and in my experience is that. By imagining, using your imagination, visualizations to snip cords, to blow off, what happens, in my estimation, is that that's creating a feeling, you know, in you, of, and the it's experience of letting go. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what you're trying to get to, and you can get to it a million different ways. Yeah. This is just one yeah. of a million different ways. I get ways. that, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all about that feeling. Sure, sure It sure. all becomes feeling. It's just you gotta create the feeling. Yeah, somehow get there yeah. via imagination, practice, and you can use it for your body. I can remember being in the army, and we had this sergeant in our platoon, and this guy was so built. It was a black guy, and he had that real dark skin mm -hmm. and perfect definition. This guy looked like an ebon Greek statue, <laughs> and uh, I used to say, "Sarge, I never see you work out, you know. And how do you maintain such a good physique in army, chow?" And he says, "Every night before I go to bed." I visualize my body exactly the way I want it to be. Mm. And I feel my muscles grow, and I see my abdominals, you know, sticking out. 
and at the time, I wasn't quite ready for that. <laughs> it was like, whoa, really? You know, it was like, huh? You know, it, it really blew my mind. And I had read James Allen's book just prior to that, As a Man Thinketh. Mm, for your I'll listeners out that. there, that's a good one to start with. Yeah. This type of mental process. It reminds me of uh, Master Keys as well. Have you read Master Key System? Yeah. Yeah, similar. I've read so many of these guys. Yeah. I yeah. like, uh, uh, who was it, Hickman, the... Uh, Abraham Hick- Abraham Hickman. Yeah, Hicks, yeah. yeah. And uh, John Randolph Price yeah. from the Courses Foundation wrote some fantastic books. Um, I'm reading his angel book right now. Hmm. Not that I believe in angels as actual entities, mm-hmm. sure. but they're symbolic of like energy systems that are within and without. Yeah. 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 Um, That's what this is. A fruit. I find these feathers outside. Oh, nice. And it's it's like um, uh, symbolic of uh, the angels around me. Hmm. You know, like every time you see a feather. Yeah. I mean, it's not really. Sure, I get you. Angel, I know what you mean. Yeah. But, you know, it's a symbol of like these positive spiritual entities. No, there's. It's you taking book. inventory of the goodness in your yeah, life. Yeah, like a And this is angel. a symbol for it's you. It's like a gift. Yeah. The universe yeah, yeah, is just yeah. reminding me of all the wonderful I've, things. I've completely done the same thing where he where. I cut things off. So if I have a conversation that's negative with somebody, or if they, for some reason, I'm the kind of person that draws out their worst stories. Like, woe is me. I've got to tell you my sad story about my life. And after a while, my wife's like, you don't, you don't got to do that anymore. Like, you don't need to, like, even energetically come into a conversation and allow that to happen. And that was, like, step one. And then step two was realizing, like, I could cut myself off from this. And I do the same thing he just did. Like, I visually, like, think about it, which is just a signal to my body, my nervous system. Like, I don't have to carry this around anymore. And it's made certain things, like, really a lot more pleasant because I had a weird history of, like, my massage therapist giving me their sob, sob stories. My barber oh, right, giving me their sob stories. <laughs> just trying to relax. Yeah, yeah, it just should be of... reversed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, like, 10 songs there. <laughs> uh, you know, I got, in the beginning, I used to just have this feeling of obligation I should listen now I just say let me just stop you right there <laughs> that's, <laughs> it right. Well, that's, that's some good boundaries right there let's change the subject the yeah. cosmic hand sometimes <laughs> goes bam yeah. well the reason I brought up rites of passages and and yeah there are those acute moments like uh, uh, one of the marines with your son but we're we're walking around in, in a time in history where we're missing our fathers Many of us have father wounds. They may have been around, but they weren't participating. We are disconnected from a culture or cultures that let us know we've arrived. And so now I've listened to enough interviews to you that I I can hear men sit on the edge of their seats asking for the new nugget of wisdom that they are certain they're going to hear from you that's going to change their life. And it's not just you. It's the way men... um, Subscribe to financial teachers, physical teachers, not so much spiritual teachers, I'd say, for men right now in this point of history, but it's starting to blossom. And I think we're all trying to, and I'll put myself in this camp too, we're all trying to figure out what are the, what are the things I need in my life so that I can finally answer this question, am I a man? And, and many of us don't know that we are. I was in my 30s and I said something offhandedly to a friend of mine about I just want to be a man. And he's like, dumbass, you are a dude. You are a man. Like, you've been a man for a long-ass time. And I, and I, you know, kind of snuck myself, snapped myself out of it. But I think 
we're in a we're in a world where we're desperate to find the new thing that's going to make us feel like we've arrived somehow. I and say it's never without. It's always within. Yes. You, you, yeah. You, you can't find anything out there. Do you guys are you guys catch what he's saying about that? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. Yeah, it's not like it's, yeah. it comes from inside you. A hundred percent. I yeah. just think that like I, I, the journey is never out there. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing you're gonna find out there that's gonna. You gotta you gotta journey within and 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 and, and soul search and and find that you know that the inner man. Yeah. If you seek outwards, essentially what I've discovered, and without addressing inward stuff, and I know those are kind of vague terms, but. You essentially, what I find is I'll, I'll recreate the inner thing just looking differently. You know what I mean? If there's not an interchange... What do you mean by that? Well, like if I if I go travel somewhere because I think it's going to be better over there, I'm just going to take my psychological makeup and apply it to a new environment and boop, and I'll create the same world. It just world. became the same world. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, you know? Everything ends up being the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You create the same world totally. over and over again because... Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's the way the subconscious mind works. It yeah. creates the familiar. Exactly. Yeah. That's comfortable not to say that, safe, you know. And that's not to say there's not a time, sometimes, where traveling and going somewhere else is the right thing to do, but I would say it would be reflective of something inward that is yeah. changing or evolving or working. Does and, you know, for people that try to escape, you know, yeah. thinking yeah. that, oh, if only I could just go somewhere else and <laughs> just start all over again, they would quickly find themselves just right back in the same situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like we talked about dividing the world's wealth evenly. You know, in yeah, a very short right. period of time, poor people would be poor again, rich people would be rich again, because it, it's it's a mental condition, it's a set of beliefs. I recently saw this uh, short uh, Saturday Night Live clip uh, with Adam Sandler, and he's playing a travel agent, <laughs> and I'm not going to do it justice, of course, but he basically just goes, and just to remind you, if you're sad in New York and you get on a plane and you go to Italy, you're still you. You're just in it. You're still the sad you. You're just in the way it's laid out visually. You're just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> makes so much sense. Yeah, there's no escape. You know, you are wherever you are. Yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. That's the truth. So, yeah. Well, I guess that's. Probably a good place to wrap. So wrap. Yeah, place, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank absolutely. you. No, no, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. yeah Thanks for your time. I, oh, I know we probably talked well, a lot about stuff you don't often talk about. Uh, I talk public. about it more often than you think. Yeah, uh, good. Teresa is a good partner because she is on yeah. this quest also. Yeah. You know, yeah. she's interested also. Uh, you know, a lot of times when you're in a, a relationship with a significant other, whether it be uh, a marriage or a, a girlfriend situation. Uh, a lot of times you'll grow different levels or grow sure. apart, you know, and mm. it's really refreshing when you have someone on the same kind I of agree. spirit. I awesome. agree. Yeah. I'm lucky so to have we, someone like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty lucky. Yeah. Uh, but I manifested. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. She manifested me. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's yeah, beautiful. It's such an honor to hang yeah, out with thank you. Thank you so much. Talk. I hope this was, uh, was working. Welcome to Field Dressing. Yeah, Steve Maxwell. Steve Maxwell. And also welcome back to Cutting for Sign because this is our first one back. Yeah. Yeah, we took a couple of months off. Summer break. To get our shit together. <laughs> Did I need it more than ever? You know, I thought it was really smart. You take a little time off and you put something that was on the front burner, crowding the other, you know, pots and pans, put it on the back burner, let it simmer. 
you know, bring yeah. it back. Yeah. I feel like that's what we did and it was very intentional. And we came back literally like two days earlier than we intended to. Yeah, well done. I thought we did a great job. Yeah. I feel much clearer and about what we're doing here. Same, same. And I didn't realize I need I actually needed that time off to get stuff done more than I thought, even anticipated. So it was even better than I could have anticipated. So I'm grateful for that. Yearly thing. You know? I mean, there's a reason Bye. people go on like big holidays. Like shit's got to like re a step, you know, re what's that word? Defrag, defrag in their brain. You need to simmer. That's another way to put it. New mm. does a lot of ways. You know, I ways. think when you intentionally have several different creative and slash professional pursuits slash personal pursuits. Yeah. And you're kind of any one of which you could make a career if you really wanted to. Um, any one of which is tied to your body and your mind in different ways. Taking one, I've found that when I take one of those away and I either don't or can't practice, train, produce, upwards of six months, that when I come back, I'm better in ways that I could not have arrived to had I continued training straight through. I can see that. Others, that's happened to me the same, like physical yeah. stuff, even Spanish and, and chess things I've been pursuing the last couple of years. Um, the, I see the only place that doesn't work are like, are, were like strength gains. So like if I was strong at doing something and then try to go back right. and be the same strength, it's like, nope. But mentally how to do things for sure increases. Well, and I've, I've found it because I have a lot of physical pursuits. Yeah. And I have found that, but they don't have, those suits don't generally have to do with strength. Mm -hmm. you know and but the coordination and yeah. the creativity of the movement undoubtedly improves. i can see that and i also know that a lot of folks continue to do hard things when they should stop and rest and and heal yeah mentally physically spiritually all the whole all of it <laughs> yeah and having that time really helps healing i was so afraid as a runner a distance runner particularly back in college taking time off we were forced to take two weeks off at the end of each season there was two seasons cross and track two weeks off from running and we never ran less than four miles a day that was resting that was you off well off training. off is no running yeah but even when you're like i'm just saying that we we would never run less than four miles upwards of 20 and and in a day and i remember that two weeks feeling like you really earned it yeah you know um but also just you've like tweaky and addicted oh you know? yeah did you want to run those two weeks off oh yeah or you like uh, maybe not for the first couple of days but yeah. cut literally a couple of days yeah and so now i'll meet people i get my physical therapist there's a lady who is another pt in that and she's running a lot and and another person I'm, i know and these two people are telling me these stories of how they run right now and i can just see myself back then it's an addiction really and then they're getting yeah. hurt and they're like i don't yeah. really know what to do it's like yeah you need stop, to stop. <laughs> stop doing that thing go do some yoga for a while yeah. diversify your movement yeah man well that's well it's interesting you we're coming up i guess it's not that we're coming up with all this now because it's kind of what steve was on when we were down there this weekend uh steve maxwell everyone knows who he is at this point because they've listened to the interview and uh and what i'm always compelled by was what I first was compelled by him and continue to be is that he has found a way to stay really active, healthy, strong for the long haul. And 
and we know all the professional athletes, well, it's not the professional athletes, but it's like our heroes, I should say, have to stop because they're injured, they're overworked, they can't do things. And I know that in my life, I'm like, I want to be a strong, I'm 41 now, I want to be strong at 42, I want to be strong at 47, I want to be strong at 50, I want to be strong at 60, and, and well beyond that. And, and Steve is doing that. He's making that happen in his life. Yeah, and I think he's... Re- not redefining but he's certainly defining what you mean by strong because i think what i think of it as important for me more important but i don't think steve steve would agree can i just say that what i think is strong is injury-free health and vitality yeah but by strong you think that's strength yeah yeah but for me strong is connected to mobility yeah mobility 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 that's what i think of when i think of steve is mobile you know, he even says it. He says he says and he is strong, but he says I'm not very flexible. That's what he says about mm. himself. Mm. I think he says I'm not very flexible, but I'm really mobile. Mm. And obviously, he's strong because he's strength conditioning coach. Been doing his whole life, and you just look at him and you rolled with him. Right? Yeah, a uh, tiny bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's clearly strong, um, but his the main thing as we get go older is mobility because, I, as I understand it you constrict the amount of mobility that you have and that's going to wear more on smaller parts of your body mm-hmm. right um because you just become more habitual in that movement because right. you don't have as your body the yeah it doesn't yeah. have as many options yeah and it wears on you my mother who had a um three pins in her anxious her ankle her right ankles fused from the time she was 30 until huh. into her 70s okay and it jacked up the opposite knee because that whole leg, that chain from her left ankle all the way up was doing all the work that the right leg couldn't do. So all her cartilage in her left knee is gone because wow. of the right ankle being fused. Wow. It's nuts. I mean, I've heard that a lot, but yeah, just to have such a clear example of it. Oh, it's so crazy. It's crazy. Like her whole frame is just kind of off kilter because of it. But the, cool thing is now is that is that that um artificial ankle joints have gotten really good over the years really and all her insurance covers so she has a total ankle replacement on her right ankle and it's wild because she got that injury when i was an infant we were hit hit in a head-on collision with a uh, an oil truck on a dirt road uh out at an oil site that my dad was working on in eastern new mexico we were hit by uh, this massive truck and um, neither of my parents had seat belts on I was in the middle they decided to take the baby out of the car seat and put him in the middle because they're on a dirt road and they thought we're safe we're driving 10-15 miles an hour okay. but the the weight of the vehicle that hit them was so great that my it my my mom instinctively put her foot against the floorboard to tr- kind of to break the car you know like you would if you're in the driver's seat yeah, she was, even though right. she was a passenger yeah. and then the car coming up as it was smashed smashed her right leg all up and they first said they're gonna have to amputate then they said you'll never use it and she's like screw that i'm gonna get by i'm gonna figure this out yeah and you were in this car i was i was like nine months old and you're in the where the middle seat between the parents in the front in the front with a seatbelt no fuck happened to you is that why you're all yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) ron's not all anything I think they know the opposite. <laughs> no, I think they both. Oh, they said they bonked heads, 
leaning over me trying to protect me that my parents bumped heads and then my dad was uh had a bunch of ribs broken from the steering column uh of that vehicle and then he was so pissed off and hot that he jumps out of the car and he starts to fight the guy that was driving fight him yeah and uh my mom recognized him and she's like that's so and so his wife teaches sunday school at our church don't hurt him <laughs> i've never heard this story it's pretty wild it's a pretty there's, good one there's some good ones i mean what happens if your parents don't stop short on that oh you know, we're, they, all, we're all dead i mean no i'm, I'm sorry yeah. what i mean you know you've seen seinfeld stop short and then you put the hand across oh yeah, yeah. Say, i don't okay. know what the reference is i don't know if stopping short is when... is that the episode where they like are like kind of feeling up women like when they're doing that or they're no like... they're not meaning to okay but it you know how the seinfeld and those shows go they accidentally do that because they're trying to be nice yeah. but then it gets misunderstood That's weird <laughs> but i'm saying if, if your parents don't both do that and you oh. just go i'm through i'm through i'm i'm uh, staying on the dashboard of the <laughs> old 70s or early 80s oldsmobile we were in whatever it was yeah yeah your parents wore your seatbelt they wear my seatbelt they broke my fall broke my well they impact. must have done an interesting job too because your head baby you're so top heavy they must have like I got know. your head in your yeah. body i think they laid on me i think that they both like Whoa. literally laid on top of me oh my god yeah it's weird you know my mom will talk about it a little bit my dad never talked about it huh. never heard him once talk about it okay yeah wow well, that's there. That's that one. That's a good story. Well, hey, let me ask you, man. Yeah. I've met Steve before and spent a little bit of time with him. What was your experience? Well, I had a lot of fear going into it because I, um, one, I knew we were doing the jujitsu class and I've been off all COVID. Yeah. So I was just, ex I was expecting to get my ass handed to me, like fully like nervous about that um but it was actually a great lesson super gentle yeah we worked on a takedown that was like not a, i mean it is a takedown but no one was getting like pummeled to the ground and having to like do yeah. break falls and all that shit so it was good it was really something that's very basic and i had it was challenging for me to learn but great steve's obviously a master at doing it so it was a nice reintroduction to jujitsu for me yeah i was like i needed this kind of like easy step into it uh that was great and then his teaching on mobility and um, kind of body movements to rehab, prehab ourself. Uh, I've been doing it since I got home, man. Like that night when we got home, I did it. I nice. did it. Uh, the, the next morning, I've, I've been doing our slow reps since then. Mm. Um, challenging, dude. I like the that four minute. Uh, we should put that on here. That uh, four minute or that sorry, oh. thirty second four rep. Uh, 30 seconds up 30 seconds or 10 oh, seconds 10 up 10 up, seconds 10 down. down yeah pull up i've been doing one at a time and giving myself some time in between to do it again it's yeah. very challenging dude like yeah. it's that's hard that's awesome hard. yeah yeah so many little things like that huh yeah you know uh well i'm i mean we're and we're not even talking about what we talked about in the podcast i know yeah. i was kind of thinking because in even in addition to that i was telling someone today the yeah. story of the of the day yeah. And that story of the day is actually more interesting, I think, than a lot of what happened. What story of the day? What do you mean? Well, from the time we left Portland to the time oh, we returned. Oh, yeah, 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 story, yeah, yeah. I told someone like a five That's version. a pretty wild bird. It's a good 24 hours, man. Yeah. And now I, I was just like, 
kind of re- recalling that and well let's talk about that for a second because that was a pretty badass 24 hours it was we got everything out of life in 24 hours don't leave us hanging tell us all right, all right. well <laughs> ch- chime in i'll, I'll do the five okay. minute version okay. hopefully so first things first we're the whole gist of this trip is that me and ronald and uh my friend now mutual friend of ronald's david we're gonna drive up from portland to port townsend we were gonna have um an inter- uh, a private lesson with Stephen Maxwell on mobility. Right before that private lesson, Ronald and David were going to do a jujitsu class with Steve Maxwell because he does both of those things: He's a mobility, strength, conditioning expert, and also a jujitsu expert. He's pretty much equally known for both of those things. It's pretty cool how he, he exists there. And then we were going to take a break, and then later that day do the podcast, and then come home. And so it all started with, and I talked about it this in the podcast, so we'll go over again. But my car got totally dumped on. And that caused uh, a, a little bit of a like mad cleaning and it ended up being long story short that we all got to drive up and what my experience was, was some style. I mean, you had, your car got destroyed with pollen, sack. highway gunk, yeah. sack, yeah. just yeah. like earth in the city is like worse. <laughs> Squeezed it out on your car. Uh, the person I told the story to uh, earlier said Portland puked on my car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we arrive yeah, in some yeah. style. We do the four hour drive. We, we listen to some Max on the way up. We get there and um, we check into the hotel and we're a quick turnaround in the hotel. We wanted to go out to dinner because it was already 630 at night and we expected to be there earlier. We're only going to be there one day. And so I and this is that part that I thought was cool is I wanted to party that night. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to drink some drinks and I wanted yeah. to, I wanted to party. Yeah. But you and I have never haven't partied together in eight years. And I haven't partied in a long time. Long, yeah. long time. Like that? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So that was a big deal for yeah. years. Of I mean, more, probably 10 years. Yeah. At least 10 years since I've partied. Really? Yeah. Did you tell Morgan about it? Oh yeah. What'd she say? She thought it was amazing. Because it was amazing. That means a lot to me. <laughs> it was, I was amazing. A little nervous. So yeah, yeah. Continuing the story, then I was dead set on partying. I already cleared this with Ron. I was like, "Listen, Ron, I have some drinks. Me and David want to have some drinks. How do you feel about that?" I was yeah. like, "Dude, I've got. I'm not triggered by alcohol being around it. I can drink NA beers. Ron and I have been drinking NA drinks together lately, and just kind of getting used to it. So we go out on the town. We find a restaurant, have a burger. We have an incredible burger. We have oyster shooters. We have good conversation. Love oysters." right on the on the beach or on the coast it was great yeah it was lovely beautiful and it was an excellent burger and if that's all that had happened it would have been a great time i agree we could have turned around <laughs> right then and had gone home and had a nice sleep. it would have been fine like everybody was like that was good it was a good yeah oyster shooters little vodka floaters which is disgusting by the way it, I totally, have that one, yeah. it totally ruined the oyster experience for me yeah the last two i just sipped the vodka off because does it taste like hairspray or something no I it's know. just i mean vodka is vodka is vodka i'm yeah. fine with vodka but that's they're separate things it's like yeah everything i want in life is in an oyster with a little bit of so- uh, cocktail <laughs> sauce and some lime. Lime. i'm, I'm, I'm already lime. like excited about going back and eating more oysters <laughs> my mouth's watering then they cooked the burger to temp well yeah. like it was rare burger they yeah. did a good job we had a good time where are we off to bartender tells us uh go to this place we cruise a block, go to that place. Well, that place happened to be having a comedy hour. Like right when we walked in, hey, just so you know, eight bucks, comedy show, three acts. Fuck, sounds great. Yeah. We go in, order a drink or two. We start talking. The place is swank. It's like underground 
and Cellador and Port Townsend. Cellador and Port Townsend. Shout good out place. to that place. They did a good job. And we're just in the vibe. We're feeling good. Yeah. We're all having fun. And then <clears throat> the part that I that really gets me is like we were having such a good time. We're hanging out at the uh, bar whoa, talking. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you talking about the part that has the comedy started yet? No. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, we're having such a good time that we didn't even go to sit down to the comedy show until the first guy was like walking up on stage. Yeah. That's what, how I remember it. And so we, we go, oh, we should find a seat. And the front and center best seat in the house, in the entire place, is the only table that's available. It was like we reserved it. It's amazing. <laughs> Did you feel that? Yeah, yeah. Totally. I love that. Part. Yeah. So we just sit down in the perfect, like front center, front center, for right from the stage. <laughs> like you could, we could admit any time touch the comedian. It was awesome. Yeah. Then the game changer. The comedians are good. They're so good. <laughs> like it was not. That was something I was. I was expecting to like hurt for them. <laughs> you know, I was expecting Agreed. to like, like, oh man, sorry, you're poor Townsend. I didn't know anything about the town either. The town's rad. It's a very cool little town. So I was like, these poor guys, who are these local guys that are coming from Seattle, expecting exactly. to be like kind of, you know, slightly funnier than me. <laughs> That's what I was expecting. That would not have been bad. <laughs> I'm taking that. <laughs> they were way funnier than you. They were so they? much funnier than me. <laughs> oh, All three so guys, good. like every dude was amazing. And each one was better too. Yeah. Like they arced it perfectly. They're working their, they're working their sets. Like you could tell they're like doing the reps and mileage and it's working. hundred percent. Yeah. All those guys killed it. Yeah. And they didn't really pick on us, which I thought was interesting. I was afraid of that, man. I was like, <laughs> actually like, okay, white dude alone on the front row. Here I go. I'm going to get shit on. We asked what I do. And he's going to just shit on me for five minutes. You know what it was? I think we, uh, some of us talked about this can't remember who but we were good laughers we were all engaged. oh yeah one of the guys like thank you for laughing i think what happened is they didn't want to fuck with us because we were giving a lot oh we yeah, were like yeah. The anchor. <laughs> they fucked with everybody around us <laughs> and we were like fueling everybody i don't know that was my take maybe maybe david who is a black belt maybe he just gives off like the black belt vibe like don't fuck with the brown guy who's obviously very dangerous in the middle of those dudes <laughs> something was going on like do, yeah yeah i think they called us strong one time so they, they were like dancing around like, like dude blue collar that's salt of the earth. like <laughs> ron's six foot something and <laughs> some, some, me some and david minus. are like David's kind of shit and I'm kind of in. <laughs> I was like, whatever we were doing, it was working. It worked, man. Uh, comedy show was great. And then the last guy gets up there and this was a huge moment for me. He says, does anyone play piano now? So this was the first thing I noticed when we walked down there too was that cool little baby grand in the corner. Yeah. I was like, this place is sick. Good jazz in there or something like that. You could play some good music. And anyways, long story short, about like a half hour later into the guy's set, he goes, the uh he told me later when we were talking after the show he said that the energy was getting a little chaotic because uh. he was really picking on people and it was so, so we gotta say that this guy's bit is that he it's all um interaction with the audience it's like audience yes work. that's his deal yeah he was incredible and he can make fun of people but also like play and yeah. and the self-deprecating humor he could like help people you know screw around with him and it, totally. and and there but the we the audience was a small and probably i didn't realize what was going on if now that i know i would have been like oh yeah i'm gonna fuck with this dude 
but it was like, I think a lot of people didn't understand that. Like there's participation. Yeah. So what was being participated in people were like, kind of just stupid. I mean, they, no one was funny <laughs> because they didn't know to be dumb in order to like, let like play some ball, you know, like let's bat this thing back and forth. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. yeah Cause I thought usually they do that for the first five minutes or something, maybe, yeah. or one yeah. little bit, maybe, but it's just went and went. Yeah. 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 So if you knew that, maybe you lean into a little bit. Yeah. Would you have? Yeah, definitely. Oh, now that really? I know that, like, if I know he's got, I'm going to go see him again so I can screw them, like, or get screwed, you know, because like he's sharp. He's a sharp dude and he very sharp. could pick out very yeah. funny things about the audience. It, it was cutting. Like some people were like given like the like, <laughs> you know, cut off <laughs> sign like <laughs> their deck, like please stop. Or and, he, and he did. Like he was very accommodating. Oh, yeah, totally. So he, at one point in time, the energy's getting a little chaotic, which it was subtle. It wasn't like, oh, I this didn't is falling feel like, apart. Yeah, yeah, I didn't feel that way. But he later told me for his standards. Yeah. So he, uh, he said, told me later that some of his friends in the com in the comedy game will use music or a musician to resettle things. And so he goes, does anyone know piano? He'd asked earlier and I waved my hand. So at that point in time, he goes, hey, you come on up here. And like, I've never played piano in front of a crowd, in front of people. I've been playing about four years. I play most days, but I'm teaching myself. I'm not good. <clears throat> but I do play enough to uh, to put my hand up. I was fully expecting you to play like um, beginner classical piano. <laughs> Ode to joy. Oh my God, he would have ripped my ass. <laughs> something like, simple, something simple. I was expecting, I don't know what I was expecting, but I thought he must have something. I don't, I've never seen you play piano. I, I don't think I've ever heard you play piano. Um, I knew you did, I knew you dabbled, but I didn't know what to expect. But I thought, shit, if he's brave enough to say I do, because if someone was like, "Does anyone in here play guitar?" I'm like, "Yeah," would have said yes to myself, but definitely not have raised my <laughs> hand. You know, like, yeah. Well, I was like, <laughs> "Fuck it, though." Is that type of weekend? Yeah, something yeah. In the air. There was, yeah, yeah. So you raised your hand. You went up there. I'd say in like 30 seconds, you were doing what he needed to bring the energy back and he and you guys you said you couldn't hear his jokes but all my attention was on not fucking up dude he was definitely riding the waves like he was like the rhythm just came back and it and it brought a lot of like people are i think we're all calmed by piano music so they play it everywhere huh. so pianos and malls and airports all that stuff and it brought something back to the audience everyone felt like more disarmed and more joyful it was great. It's crazy. And then him like advocate, like, you know, hey, thank you. Get get this guy a drink. Yeah, like that, yeah. All that kind of thing. That was awesome. He wouldn't stop the show until the bar maybe my Manhattan. Was it good Manhattan? No. <laughs> the first one I had was, but they shook the shit out of the second one. Which is fine. It was a good Manhattan in spirit. Dude, bartending job's no joke, man. Like, <laughs> like people get really picky about their cocktails i had already taken david's cocktail back too no, like i'm not making this guy free the set now that i think about it and put that together i know because david ordered, ordered a martini and they it was an icy watered down they made it with rotten ice or something like that it was yeah. watered down yeah and so i'd already you know fighting for my boy because he, he yes that happened a lot he's bad martini luck and i was like this isn't happening so i took it on upon myself took the martini back but then later, now that I'm thinking about that, was the second free drink they made me that night. That's hilarious. What if they saw you and they're just like, screw this guy, just started <laughs> shaking, like it. put more water you know in, half a shot? Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm fine with that. <laughs> no shot? Like just 
whatever the hell is it dude that was one of the best moments of my life playing piano up there with that guy i was really proud of you i was stoked for you proud of you it's like (laughs) i think everyone was relieved that you could do it and like kind of did whatever it needed to do for that guy like everyone was like oh thank god (laughs) it was good man it was a really really good fun way to like for him to finish his set he did awesome peak experience it was great man and the bar was awesome we like stayed after we had another drink you know hung around it was fantastic yeah you want me to take me through this you take me through because then i was ready for bed at this point i'm like i'm ready to have look ron had that i've been married 13 years i don't party yep i have you're happy too you know that none of that stuff means i love my life you're very very happy person and thriving and vital at the same time we're on different wavelengths and i was like and when i get hell bent to party i kind of get a little selfish but i'm learning to not be a you were you we were as close to Peter Pan as I had ever seen. You were floating above the ground. Like you were, I don't know if I saw your feet touch the ground. I wanted that to night. go, man. I wanted to check all the boxes that night. I saw you like, I think I saw you click your heels. I did. Yeah, I think I'm going to So another thing I've been doing, this might be I, uh, uh, another thing I've been doing lately, which I highly recommend. This is a little shady, but like I don't smoke weed because it's a little bit sensitive my brain's a little sensitive and, and i ha- can have scary circumstances yeah. on it but i love being around weed and i love other people weed smoking weed and i also like smoking it and not inhaling so long story short a friend of mine gave me a bunch of weed i started like rolling doobies and carrying them in my pocket just in case someone wanted one because if i ever smoke with someone and i don't inhale I'm kind of wasting their their herb right so i might as well have my own yeah yeah do you have one on you right now i have the empty bag but i haven't there i don't think you can show this shit on youtube but um the funny part was was it you it the the dewey the joint was exactly how you just described it a <laughs> tiny little joint you pull out of your pocket it's all crushed remaining in your pocket <laughs> but still together somehow yeah, exactly there was three of them <laughs> did we go through all three we did so to clarify i don't drink but i don't consider myself a sober person so i was like slowly through the through the evening partaking in the yeah in the marijuana so, and David has never smoked weed. So we have three very interesting situ- weed situations. Yeah, yeah. I don't smoke, but I like to be around it and yeah. smoke them without inhaling. You smoke, but you don't drink. Yeah. And David has never smoked. It's like, perfect. So we drag these up. It's like a three stooges situation. It's awesome, man. And I was like, David, tonight's the night. And he was like, I agree. I wouldn't have pushed him on that. Yeah, yeah. But he I knew agree. that was the night. We go up, we have a charming, delightful smoking a joint on the streets of Port Townsend moment. I really, now this is the thing. I really wanted to talk to this girl I had an eye on. Um, not in like a totally hitting on sexual. She yeah. just seemed fun. And the yeah. guy, the comic had ripped her all night long. She just took it. She seemed cool. She seemed cool. Like she did. She gave off like, I'm okay with your, your you know, crazy jokes on the, in this set. Because I've seen people break down in other comedy shows, like yeah. lose their shit <laughs> and they get mad. And then it's like not fun anymore. I mean, like I get it. Like you, you know. But she rolled with it really well. Well, I wanted to talk to her. Didn't get a chance. Wasn't flowing yeah. that way. It's cool. I can let go. But then David or you go, hey, you dropped your bandana down downstairs. Yeah. Like, well, I got to go get it. So I go down to get it. So I'm going to stop you there because I'm ready to leave. And I think I got That's you to right. promise. <laughs> I think at that point, I got you to promise that we would we could be done by like 1245. You did. You did. And I think that was like maybe an hour from that time. No, it was earlier than that that you wanted to be done. It was like 1145. <laughs> so i had like talk a clock ticking in my head yeah. i'm like the countdown was generous yeah countdown's happening we were i knew we were gonna go to one more place yeah, it was great. i was fine 
but then you disappear. I come back. And then you come back, like, floating back up the stairs. <laughs> Did you just four at a time, four steps at a time? Did you, like, just launch from the bottom through the top? Because you just, like, rocket it out. <laughs> just Peter Pan. Dude, it's Peter Pan. Happy thought. Happy Woo! thought. It's my happy thought. It was, the, it was the yoga girl from the from the. Bar. Well, that's when you came out. You're like, I, I'm talking to the yoga girl. She's taking us to a bar. Yeah, she. so she was it. She happened to be standing right where my bandana was. It was as if my bandana had turned into Oh, her. and we're calling awesome. her the yoga girl because um the guy guessed what she did for a living yeah and for the rest of the night he called her yoga girl that's right that's right so yeah it was good and then she was there and she was very cool and it turns out first thing she says to us when she comes up is that she thought those two three guys hanging out and seemed really great and she wanted to talk to them so we all wanted to talk to each other and we finally did so we all go off we go to another place and at this point in time me and david basically jump on your bandwagon we start drinking non-alcoholic beers I thought it was cool as now is my new move Dude, to close a night. I, I want these guys to sponsor us. Athletic Brewing Company in San Diego, you need to reach out to us. That would be amazing. I love your NA beer so much. I felt so good the next day. Usually really really fun party nights end up feeling good just for me because it's a psychological release yeah. and it overrides the physical stuff. But also I just don't drink too much. But that move made it extra special because I was still drinking and it felt fun, but there was non-alcoholic so I wasn't getting more drink. It was perfect. It's my new move. Yeah. So anyways, and Ron, those beers are delicious. Like they're, they're actually awesome. really good. Ron looks at me at this point in time and he goes, I need to eat. I want fried chicken. <laughs> it's like, okay, sir. And to move the story along, we say uh, to yoga girl whose name is Nova, uh, we, um, we say, we're going to eat. And she says, nothing's open. Come back to my house. I'll cook y'all food. We jam up to her house and just have an utterly delightful time eating fajitas, and laughing and talking and we did that for another hour and then we all said goodbye and it was utterly delightful we go home we crash wake up in the morning nice and early we get to the mobility class david's having a rough time um <laughs> as uh, in hungover we didn't realize it so i didn't over. get that at all yeah, man yeah. um go to the mo they do the jujitsu we go to the mobility all this is going well and then we have a big break and we just did um roaming around enjoying the sun uh, nova yoga girl meets up with us we all sit in a park and just talk and laugh it yeah. was like it's the most what idealist idyllic heaven like yeah. experience i've ever had it was great and then did the podcast the podcast yeah. went incredibly and then right after the podcast we drove four hours home and that was 24 hours that was a, that was it was a very satisfying 24 hours I don't know how we, there's no way we could have planned that. That was like one of those nights where it was happy accident, one after another. I think, you know, if we could tie it back to uh, Steve for a yeah. moment, that is to me the best manifestation of like goodness that we could have, like, I mean, you can call them happy accidents if you want, but it's like, we're all putting the effort in to do all these kinds of different things in our life. And like, that night ticked all the boxes for us in yeah. all the different kinds of ways. That's why I came up earlier today. So this, I was in a therapy session and she goes, I mentioned a great day, a good yeah. day, just yeah. in general. And she goes, what's a good day for you? And I was like, actually, I got one for you. And agreed. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then also Nova, and her name's not Nova. That was kind of a joke. I like I it, came yeah, up yeah. With. But she's a yoga teacher up in, up, up in Port Townsend. And she texted me through um, Instagram. Mm -hmm. And she said, it's so nice to meet men like you. 
dude i she was like she had mentioned that that the bar she's like you guys order non-alcoholic beers and you still want to hang out and like be cool she's like you you're you guys are right guys i want to hang out with you. i think that's why she invited us back to her place to, to cook for us which she did graciously yeah and because i remember thinking like like we must not give off the creepy vibe at all <laughs> i don't think so i apparently not. sometimes i wonder because i because you're i like to engage with people, yeah yeah but yeah something about that it it was great she she there was nothing it wasn't a sexual thing like i mean you know everyone flirts with everyone of course but like i don't know it, just, it was very it was like a platonic in the best way not just like we're okay it was like everyone suddenly felt like we were on the same wavelength really enjoying ourselves. everyone seemed to be enjoying ourselves from the moment we got there all the way through all the way through the end even even that night with her and then the next morning at the park doing the podcast like it was just like everybody's flowing yeah. it feels great even even though our buddy was sick like it like he was still having a good time man i mean like well, we got some fun in him and yeah. we got that good. He was yeah. even, I overheard him say to someone else, I can't remember who it was, but he goes, Fa, that, that broth is just magical. It's just, it's just, it just brings you back. He was talking about that. But yeah, anyways, it, as good a day as I've ever had, you know, and that yeah. podcast was a big deal to, to have Steve on, you know, and, and for him to want to be there and to invite yeah. us into his tiny home. Like, there's a lot of, a lot of firsts i think for a lot of people and then he even invited us to come back and stay at his house you know he yeah. and Teresa, they were like come yeah. back and train with us you can stay here and i was like man this is what life's all about this is cutting for sign you cut the sign and sometimes you find the animal and the animal can be a, a moment it can be a day you know it can be an accomplishment well we weren't cutting for sign on that trip we were we were eating the animal you know yeah we, we were no, finding the thing. yeah yeah I think that I'm going to paraphrase what Steve said about manifesting. And I know there's a, it's a very controversial issue. I, I don't know if I would say I believe in it, but I definitely <laughs> participated in the sense that I work towards things I cannot see. I ask for things I cannot see in forms of prayer and meditation. I visualize things, right? I work towards those things, their goals. And sometimes they're, they're not tangible goals. Like I want to have more time with my friends. And maybe I guess that is more tangible, but um but he said something about it he goes i think manifestation actually comes through other people i asked for favorite it. part of the whole podcast because i asked for it and then it and then suddenly it comes from a phone call from a conversation yeah. and i've said that similarly about the way god speaks to me and i guess you could maybe even say they're the exact same thing like i'm asking god to do something for me when i say god i mean the unseen power in the universe that somehow holds it all together and when we and when we lean on it it leans on us back got that from you and provides the support that feels like we we have something behind us in life um and i've always said that when i ask god to speak to me he does so or god does so through other people pr primarily and and man god was speaking to me therefore the whole weekend uh because every conversation i had with you and david i've, I've reflected on a lot of what we talked about was things I needed to hear and things that were comforting to me and things that helped me grow and things that were fun and made me laugh. And that in itself is a great value. And then the, and then our night, the comedy show and our night with our friend. And then the next day, it's just like over and over and over. It's just like this awesome, like hug from the universe, you know, <laughs> that's good. a kiss on the cheek from the divine. Like it was yeah. like, this is 
beautiful. Life can be like this. Life can be, and it is like, it is, it's happening. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Really great. Yeah. And I know that there's a lot, like when we were talking to Steve and um, him sharing his thoughts and, you know, I was, I was really grateful to him that I felt like he was kind of picking up that we were wanting to go a different direction than, you know, talking about strength and conditioning and or jujitsu and not that any, any of us would have had a real problem if we hadn't, but I appreciated that he w- wanted to talk about manifestation or, uh, you know, his spiritual like side, side, spiritual side, whatever. Yeah. And, and yeah. to be honest, like, you know, some of the ways that he phrases things aren't really ways that I phrase things. Um, and, but I know what he's saying. Right. And some of them are ways yeah. I phrase things yeah. straight up. Yeah. I just, I, and I didn't know he was Christian. I, I had no idea. I was really surprised by that. And um, that he is, and I know that the way he is Christian would bother a lot of Christians. I understand that. You were kind of speaking to that. Um, I m- imagine that he would recommend I was that. speaking to that to you and Dave, not to him in the interview. Right. Yeah. 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 And, I, and I don't want to put any any words in Steve's mouth, of course, or anything like that. Of course not, Maybe yeah. his experience is not what I'm saying, but... Yeah. I think when, when anytime you say, I don't take the Bible, literally, you've probably alienated yourself from a lot of Christians. Most Christians. You know, that's, that's <laughs> all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. But I, I really feel like that was, you know, special for him to share more in that world. And I know at the end, after we were done talking, he did say that he talks about this stuff more than we think, but he mentioned that he talks about with Teresa, his partner mm-hmm. a lot. Right. Yeah. I don't know how much he talks on air about it yeah. uh, publicly. I know he's not avoiding it. Yeah. I have heard that stuff, but mm. I just love that he was willing to go focus on it with us. Well, I think that's um, speaks to what, how we've been trying to find our way through this podcast and, and understand our way on earth too. I know you and I have spoken at length over and over and over again about how life is unfolding for us and what we're doing to try to find our next right step. Yeah. And it is a, for me, I was talking to my wife about this this morning. I want to live in a life. I want to, I want to live a life that expects miracles. And what I mean by that in particular is not to necessarily turn water to wine, which is cool. I think that'd be rad, but to have a weekend like we did where I get to watch one of my best friends in my whole life get called out from the audience and then go play the <laughs> piano on stage like that. That's a, that's enough for me. Right. Or I would have felt the same to have, that. have happy accidents where this conversation leads to want to something great. And I, I want to live in that. I want to live in that. You know, we've, we Morgan and I bond on that, on our desire to live in this wild liminal space of whatever the spirit is doing. And yeah. And how cool that yeah. she supports you in that and uh, in the ways that she does too. Like I remember you telling me and I, I, I trust that this is not too much information. I just, when you were like, hey, having flirty energy with, with like, um, with Nova, yeah, you know, which was never like inappropriate in the slightest from anybody's perspective. And you were like, this is really healing for me, you know? And it's really, or maybe that's not yeah. the word you said, but you said it's like really good for me. And like getting to know you and Morgan and how you navigate your romantic support for each other. And we've talked about it several times, including with her when she yeah. was on here about connecting with other people, um, not sexually, but connecting um, maybe through your sexuality. Or I, I think we even use the word erotic. Like it's like this 
I don't know, just the, there's a space, there's space for flirting. There's space for, for like that, that vibe, that connection sometimes. And she, she wrote an email about it to her list not long, not long ago. Um, sorry, don't do that. I was making a, making a noise. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, she was talking about not that long ago that a guy stopped her in the grocery store. She was like standing in line for her, depre- her antidepressant medicine at the pharmacy, feeling like her day's shit. She's just sitting there like, <laughs> you know, on her phone <laughs> or something. And this guy goes, I'm sorry, but you're fucking killing it today. And, and she like looked down and was like, <laughs> looking at herself. me, like, who, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, he's like, and he left. He just didn't say another word. Yeah. The hit and run. The hit and run. And, um, and she was sitting there like talking to herself. She's like, am I killing it today? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm killing it today. <laughs> you know, so she feels totally different. By the time she gets the thing and on the way out, he, uh, he they ran into each other again on the street and he asked for a number. She laughed. She's like, oh my gosh, you have no idea how much you made my day. That that I just felt, I just feel like a weird, gross mom normally. And just this attention made me feel so good. Thank you. Appreciate you. And he's like, yeah, no problem. You know, she, she's like, I'm married, but thank you. Like, no problem. And they, they you know, they just smile at each other uh interestingly i she was describing him and she was describing the car again and i was like i know that guy i know i asked your wife for your her number <laughs> i was hoping it would be okay i i i knew him from the climbing gym really and, and then he parked and i didn't get a chance to talk to him i took a picture of his car for her and it's like we have one of those like on repeat um of photo frames in our house yeah and it came up the other day and she's like why is that so familiar i was like that's your boyfriend's car <laughs> but I thought it's hilarious. Just a reminder that someone noticed her and made her feel good that day. Awesome. And we joke about it all the time. And we, you know, that's one of the things, man, that we, I feel like we always have that ability to compliment someone and to do so unconditionally and without expectation, I think is a vastly underused uh, opportunity and ability that we all have that you and I have started yeah. to talk about more and more. And, and I, I just love hearing stories like that. And, and if anyone can, I don't know, we could talk a whole hour on it. I know. It's so fun. I mean, I, I, I've told you this um, in confidence. Oh, don't tell anybody this. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm really good at flirting with people I'm not attracted to. And oh. terrible at flirting with people that I am attracted to. And, but I've always been really good at, like, complimenting people on their clothes or, like, non- gendered or non-sexual things that they yeah. might be doing and uh like the other day this i heard this woman's whistling and i was like hey you're really good at whistling <laughs> and she yeah, and she stopped and she's like do you have spotify i go yeah she goes can i show you some playlists i made and i i'm just like i'm gonna hand this stranger my phone and just let her do whatever she wants with it and huh. She looked at me straight in the eye. She goes, I'm an old autistic lady, but I'm also a classical musician and I make playlists for my friends. Whoa. And she just gave me all these playlists. They're all amazing, super duper amazing. And I was so stoked that I had gotten to talk to her. Yeah, because you threw a compliment out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a good challenge, sometimes I challenge myself in the world. We should do a whole conversation on compliments. Okay. Because there's a lot to talk about. I challenge myself to compliment a guy on, on their eyes. Whoa. And I'll do that every once in a while. And I, I oh, I'm not attracted nice, yeah. to men. You yeah, know? yeah. It's not really my thing. Um, but I do appreciate beauty and I feel like that's a realm that can be opened up more is 
at least in myself. You have to use the eye compliment from the Princess Bride. Like his eyes are like a this you know, the ocean oh, on a clear blue day. Right. Remember that one? Oh. You got to use that one. Oh uh, no! <laughs> You're such a dick, dude. The key to me, to key the key to me complimenting. You're it. definitely gonna say it now. Okay. It's gonna cross your brain. <laughs> You're gonna say something, and that's gonna just come out of your mouth. <laughs> I I just don't like misrepresenting myself and leading people on. Right, totally. And complimenting a man or someone who identifies as male on their eyes in that way would be the total opposite of what the way I do it. You know, it's like I, when I do it, it's like the most off the cuff and I'm gone, you know, cause I don't want to, it to be misread yeah. I'm trying to do something, but it always works. And I feel like it's always appreciated. Okay. Well, I'm going to not pick on you right now. I want to like, just like, like I said, we should talk about this. Sometime. Okay. Okay. I think you're right. I will then. Just so you know, heads up. I hope so. I'm coming after you. Yeah, fuck it, man. We, you know, more communication, more touch. I, we yeah, were yeah. All, when we're all hanging out at the grocery store, we're on lines. What if it was just totally acceptable to massage a person's, you know, ass, <laughs> ask to massage the person in front of you? You look tight. Can I just give you a I have quick, that like... impulse every time I'm in, in the store and I'm just like, and I feel like I probably could. I'd be like, hey, do you know, I would be weird. You can't do it. It's so weird. Dude, I was in London. <laughs> I've never done that. When I, when, I, when I first moved to England, I was like 26 years old and I'm walking through Camden Market and, my, and suddenly something touches my head from the, from the crown of my head and then runs down my scalp from like 25 directions at once. Whoa, oh, and it was like, things. it was one of those things. My, I didn't even know they existed. And suddenly I'm like being bothered by something on my head to near orgasm and like, <laughs> in a half a second not an orgasm but like a whole body blissful like oh wow and i and i like my knees buckled and i kind of grabbed the side of the wall or whatever and i like turned around (laughs) and and i like stood back up and there's this beautiful eastern european girl trying to sell these things what she's trying to do but she's so she sneaks up on people and does that to them and and i was like keep doing it she's like no you gotta buy one (laughs) i was so like like you meet like turned on and turned off like so fast this whole thing was a five second experience and then i was like very turned off that she wanted me to buy one but i get it (laughs) so i don't know man like it could work is what i'm saying it could work but if you if there's like a pretense to it like needing to buy your time for instance in that moment just this joke is not working. I'm just <laughs> just more touch, man. More touch out there in the world. More more verbal yeah, touch yeah, and more yeah, touch yeah, touch. Yeah. And and but you a person has to be coming from the right place. There's so much sensitivity touch. Remember we had we had a guest on here and we had I had never met him. And when we came in to uh to um meet each other and he wanted to hug and I kind of missed it. And later we talked about that and we talked about consent around hugging and, and not having consent and all that stuff. I know it's a hot topic, you know, but I do, I do feel like there's a way through consent, verbal consent through graceful, like, um, I, I think people, you know, yeah, yeah. I think people like a hug most of the time, most of the time. Like you can, I think I get for me personally, I give off the vibe. I'm a hugger. Like this is about to happen. And I say it, <laughs> I'm a hugger. Are you okay? Oh, that's cool. And I've never had one turn down a hug. I hope they're being brave enough to say exactly what they want, but yeah. 
Seems like everyone's okay with it. Well, hey, man, I know you wanted to wrap this up quicker than we did, but th- this was one of my favorite experiences all done and all told. This was a good one. It was a great yeah. way to come back into doing this, and I hope it's valuable to people. It's very fun for us, but I, I also really relish in how, you know, anything out there touches someone else and maybe affects them. Yeah. I'd also say, if you want us to come to your town, maybe so. Let us know if there's something out there that needs to. I know. It was fun. It was a fun trip. Yeah, I love you, man. Yeah, I love you. All right, keep listening. Thanks, guys.